Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News. And it's the great game with Matthew Arrett, the one and only Matthew Arrett. You can get him over at his Substack, Matthew Arrett Substack, right there. Make sure you go there. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure, if you haven't done so already, if you haven't made, get a belated Christmas gift. A great idea. Get Matthew Arrett's brand-new book, a fantastic read. Get it right now. You can get it over at his uh, – the links are in the sub, his Substack. Also at the Rising Tide Foundation, the risingtidefoundation.net and canadianpatriot.org. Go there. Go check it out. He is one of the most greatest brain trusts of the emerging multipolar world, and it's always a treat to have Matthew on. So make sure you guys get your notebooks ready. Because you're about to go to school right now. Maddie, what's up, buddy? How are you? <laughs> Not much, V. Yeah, I, CJ, is he still here? CJ's in the background. He's in the background. I'm in the background. Oh, there, there you go. Okay. All right. I feel safer when you're around, CJ. Good to know that your spirit is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because we'll ask for something. God forbid he's not there. <laughs> yeah, you're the pilot. <laughs> we get lost at sea sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's a there's a lot going on. We, we started up this year uh, with quite a, a ruckus, a lot of lot of potential. Little, I mean, I, I, I sort of see it in some ways as, you know, you started a race and you just like fell on your on your shoelaces <laughs> on the first two steps um, here. First of all, congratulations on getting out of the penalty box. Yes. I, uh, I was uh, I'll try to be careful in the words that I use because uh, I, I don't We'll go back to using our old words. Jab. Yeah. The jab will be the new or the new poke. Word. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll have we'll have like an index of 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 code words that we'll, we'll have to yeah, you know, see we need to put an index of code words on the screen one of these days <laughs> we should just flash it up like just this flash it up this. Yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> although i gotta say if i if i were um a fascist google or youtube algorithm i would have probably shut you down a lot earlier there's a lot yeah. of dangerous ideas floating around on the, on the street. So yeah. well done for avoiding those bullets so far. I, I got to say, I'm like, we're like Neo in the matrix, man. We're just, yeah. we're just like <laughs> bending and moving. That's what CJ and I do. We just like, whoosh, and all the bullets fly past us, but they put an, uh, they put an extra militant, tyrannical algo agent out. And that agent got us mm-hmm. Mr. Gorilla. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and, and 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 it was me. You know, CJ was out. He was he was under the weather. So, you know, of course, it's going to be me flying solo. And <laughs> people know how bad it is when I fly solo, <laughs> and I don't have CJ. I, I, there was another time I was talking for twenty minutes into dead air, not knowing that I <laughs> didn't hit the live button. <laughs> oh man! Oh, my well, look, God. I mean, we're we're now. 
um, entering a, a definite period of character building experiences, uh, to say the least. Here I am in, in Quebec, Canada, which uh, we, we kicked off, off the new year um, with a, a new lockdown and curfew. Uh, great. Because, you know, it's, it is very dangerous that with this new variant out there and stuff, it, there's a possible risk that somebody might eventually actually die, maybe. So it's good to shut down the entire economy yeah. um, and keep people... Uh, off the streets after you know 10 p.m. and give them six thousand dollar fines because somebody might actually end up eventually perhaps maybe uh dying um so anyway it's, it's uh it's spread as well to ontario um i won't say anything more than that but uh yeah thank god we're, we're being watched over by uh machines in love and grace oh. uh trying to pretend that they're uh they're human beings in political office Absolutely. Uh, so that's the thing and uh, Speaking also, of I don't know if you guys humans, humans huh? in office. I, I just received a book last night, yeah. The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Dude, if you haven't gotten it, get this book. I got it. Oh, you did? A per did you read three yet? Or no, nope. yeah, I can't wait. I'm gonna dig into it late, later today. But wow, man, unreal. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems hardcore. It's oh, uh, it's strong. And I mean, you know, part of this, this thing, <clears throat> the things that they're doing right now, they couldn't have gotten away with even a year ago, you know, and, and I was listening to uh, this little excerpt from a speech by uh, the mannequin here in Ottawa, um, who was basically trying to say that anybody who is, um, who is not done jabbing so far or received jabbing um, is likely a racist or a misogynist or both and should not be tolerated as a way to sort of rabble rouse in public. You know, this is something you would have your political career destroyed if it was even a year, a year and a half ago. That That's the sort of thing which would have annihilated one's political career or Macron um, <laughs> recently giving his own little uh, presentation in an interview saying, I want to make the lives of those unjabbed um, unbearable. Yeah. But that is just political suicide. In he called them non-citizens. He called them non-citizens. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that? So you're going to nullify my inalienable rights that do not you know, come from a government, but comes from a higher source that's protected and enshrined by the country's constitution. You can call me a non-citizen. I mean, it's insanity. Again, these parliamentary systems are kind of scary, bro. Yeah, no, I know parliamentary systems, but that's the whole corruption. There it is right there. Yeah. So people didn't believe that he said it. He said it. Um, see that this is where it's very important for people to take this opportunity to learn a little bit more about the nature of real law, natural law, God's law versus, um, crap hereditary law which is given to us as fake parliamentary democracy which i mean we're often sold you know this is the one of the great innovations of the modern age is parliamentary democracy and it's like no the reason why parliamentary democracy even pure democracy unbounded by itself is isn't always has been a fraud uh given to us by an elite that wants to keep us in a little cage thinking with the illusion that we have freedom is that it's based on party party politics on the one hand so just on on a, on a superficial level uh, in a parliamentary democracy, you have to, as a so-called elected uh, person in the commons, which, by the way, right there is messed up. Like, you know, it's very different from the Congress in a republic where you have representative government, where you have House of Representatives, you have a Senate, both elected. Uh, you got an executive branch elected. Um, in, in the commons, you have a house for the commoners in the British system, right, of parliamentary democracy. And then you have um, a House of Lords in Canada. It's called the Senate, but it's really just modeled on the House of Lords where you're uh, appointed uh, for 
in Canada, it's over 20 years. In uh, Britain, I think it's forever. You just have to be a lord. Um, and then you got your head of state in Canada, which is not the person called prime minister. That's actually uh, just a tool. It, it's actually the governor general, who is the, uh, the legal head of state, the voice and arm of the crown, which is known as the fount of all honors. All legal authority emanates from the crown across the ocean. That includes Australia, New Zealand, everywhere you see it. Um, and, and then in each province, you have a lieutenant governor. And the lieutenant governor is sort of the provincial governor general above, uh, from an authority standpoint, the the, the premiers, uh, the so-called elected premiers. Now, in a, in a party system, you as a, 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 a member of the House of Commons have to abide by whatever your party says. So you're not allowed to stand for your conscience. And if your party says, we're going to go fascist, we're going to bomb a country, we're going to whatever, you're not, you will be kicked out of your party and your career destroyed in a parliamentary party system. In a republic, it's different. I can, as a Republican, stand up against my Republican, like I could be a rant, look at Ron Paul as an example, right, of somebody who consistently stood up while he was um, in the government against his own Republican Party policies under Dick Cheney. And I didn't say Bush for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that's the whole thing. But, <clears throat> um, and and he could stand by his conscience and say, I'm, I'm against the, the Iraq war. I'm a, you know, and, and you could you could do that. You won't be crushed career-wise. So here we have whips that keep you in line. So anytime somebody has doubts about a policy from their government, they will be whipped by the party whip to be brought into line. Um, it's it's not a democracy. And just to get across that, you know, uh, democracy itself is an overbloated word. Oh yeah, look at that, right there. Um, the Tony Blair, right? Killer. Do not call it Sir Tony Blair, Matthew. Sir Tony, Sir Blair. Tony Blair. He's been knighted. Yep, yep. There you Lying go. sack of crap, servile scumbag, human filth, war criminal. This guy, he's a yeah. knight. I guess you know that's what the queen wants, right? That's what she. Well, that's why she also gave the honorable knighthood to uh, George Bush Senior and Sir oh, Henry yeah. Kissinger, both oh, yeah. sirs, right? Sir, Sir Henry. Kissinger. Like, so yeah, you're you're dealing with something which I mean, people have to really start thinking above nation states because for too long we have been stuck in a situation where we've been told it's. History is all shaped by nation states just imposing their will, fighting or vying for power. That's history. And nation states naturally become empire. Uh, that is the, 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 the organic um, conclusion to any nation state or capitalist system. It's to become an empire and impose your will on the weak until you go all Roman empire, spread yourself too thin and collapse onto yourself. And that's just the destiny of our failed human species, which is a failure. Um, so right now they're trying to get people to turn on themselves, to think that the cause of their problems is the nation state system. It's the problem is we've had too much freedom all of these decades and that's what's caused our current climate crisis that we're being fed day in, day out. Our current, um, you know, um, uh, bug, I don't want, I don't want to use the, even the word virus anyway. <laughs> All of the different multi-layered crises, economic crises, it's all be because human beings have had too much freedom. We're just too naturally selfish and too destructive, too myopic. And thus, the time for freedom has to really come to an end now as we go into a society, a new age, where we will own nothing. We will be happy. We're going to, you know, tighten our belts. Like even the, the Bank of England just forecasted a 15% a 
uh, contraction of the economy, which is like this, this, that's a depression. And it's going to be a lot worse than that if things don't reverse. Um, so we're being told to be good. You should be poor to be good. You shouldn't, own, you shouldn't expect to own anything because that is the cause of hurting nature and uh, being selfish, you know? And so you can see where there's an article I just published, um, on the Canadian Patriot site by, uh, William Eng Engdahl. Oh, um, great. Yeah. I've got some problems with some of his current analysis about what's going yep. on economically in China and all, but it's a good article that he did on uh, Pope Frank, the, basically tying Klaus Schwab. Terrible things are happening in China, Matthew. Terrible economic things. There are right now, as we speak, 300 millionaires and one billionaire are being created every day. 300 millionaires and one billionaire per day is being created in, in, in China. It's a huge problem. I know, and and, and they're and, and I, I mean they're so communistic. It's you know, three hundred having this many millionaires and billionaires running around in a communist system. Oh my God! Only the worst thing could happen. I know, and their their use of like natural remedies as part and, and Eastern medicine as well, like as part of their medical uh, treatment systems, has resulted in this terrible case of like utilizing hydroxychloroquine since the beginning, and and not having having like point zero six percent of the of the cases in hospitals. Uh, that that we've suffered in the West, yep. um, it's terrible, and and all of their their investments into fusion power and the first thorium reactors in the world and gas cooled pebble bed nuclear reactors and uh, geez and all of their high speed maglev rail that's growing faster and their new quantum computers that's yeah. thousand times faster than Google Sycamore. Yeah. All of these things are just so bad. They're obviously going to collapse. And they oh, are. Don't forget their, their their control over the rare earth metals. I mean that's that's terrible to have you know to try to like keep that stuff in your country and not not export it yeah um that's terrible bunch of dirty commies man i mean oh, how yeah. dare they have lower business taxes than us and less regulation that's easier for me to start a business there than here how dare they oh yeah and, and communists patents, I mean, having more patents than us too until they're so totalitarian they they, they they control everything it's terrible awful how awful, dare they awful. and then to try to export that to other countries to help like africa yeah. build giant infrastructure projects um, we've been working to stop that for decades. Why are they doing that now? They're it's kind of like really ignorant. They Africa might start developing and ending real like hunger, poverty, and war, and then all of a sudden they might want to start using using their own resources for themselves down the line too. God forbid. I mean, China doesn't know what they're doing for overpopulation. No. I mean, that's going to cause a huge overpopulation problem. It's going to empower sovereign nation states. Stupid Chinese! What are they doing? They're they're all crazy, man. That's I what it know. is. They don't yeah. realize they they should have gone back to the. The Gang of Four, that that was, and so this is the thing, like the Mao Cultural Revolution, there's, I, CJ just brought up this, this article I was referring to, there's this guy um, who Klaus Schwab said is his second most influential um, uh, inspiration, um, who is, uh, was known as the Red Bishop, Helder Camara, a Brazilian Jesuit um, liberation theologian. Ooh, um, of course. I find the most interesting thing because I had written a series of articles on on the Jesuit uh, role in subverting society, especially with with Tyal de Chardin and um, the the infusion of Darwinian principles into Christianity, guided by Taf, uh, Tyal de Chardin's uh, work, which also um, was the guy who originated the idea of transhumanism that was adopted by Julian Huxley. Um, he was a rabid eugenicist and he was a promoter of this idea that within this new transhuman eugenics that became the basis for the 
entire Great Reset agenda that you would be able to have a future, imaginary future omega point of maximum crisis, which would be this mystical point we should work towards, whereby out of the chaos that would, would unfold would become a new super order of integration of human beings with machines, as well as a new super society, what he called Christ consciousness under this omega point, mm -hmm. which is, uh, I mean, it was very, always an insidiously poisonous idea that really did a lot of good work uh, from an evil standpoint at infusing, again, very nihilistic principles, evil principles of thinking into the Christian uh, doctrine. And out of this came also um, the infusion of Marxism. So once Darwinianism could be adopted by a sufficient amount of influential thinkers within the church, they could then have a infusion of Marxist principles as well, which Tyal de Chalde called for towards the end of his life, that could then bring Christianity into, make it sort of a weapon of geopolitics to subvert nation states by saying, under the theory of liberation theologians, like uh, Caldera is, uh, uh, sorry, Camara is, the, the, the influential guy on, on Klaus Schwab, is that the, the, to be Christian, the Christianity prefers the poor. It doesn't, uh, Christ and God don't like anybody with wealth. They are, because to have gotten wealth, it means that you must have been doing something immoral. To be poor means you are pure. And there's this romanticization, kind of like in the Jacobin revolution of, uh, poverty being the virtue. And so this was used across, especially South America, but also Africa, India, wherever the Jesuitical liberation theologians, and I won't say every Jesuit was a part of this, but a lot of them were. Yeah, a lot of them um, Because the Jesuit order is sort of organized kind of like a, uh, in a sort of like rites of initiation not, uh, fashion, whereby Gee, you might think you're rising through the ranks but by being tested periodically, sure. but yeah. by answering a, a test with a moral answer will have you move down a different path whereas if answering that test with, a, with the correct immoral answer of like whatever drink saying i would drink the baby blood if god willed it or something then that puts you on a different set of experiences with the two different levels of initiation and uh roles that you will play so there are good jesuits and i would never want to say they're all bad however with that in mind what uh uh kamada was was definitely a bad one and so this guy in that article by Engdahl he uh, goes through how this fellow was a leading fascist in, throughout the thirties into world war II, And it was only, he was in Brazil, a big part of the Mussolini black shirts. Yeah. And it was only in 1946 that he decided to then become, he had this big awakening to become a Marxist. And that's why they call him the red Bishop. And he was one of the leading figures internationally coordinating the supporting the, the cultural revolution of Mao and saying that this should be the guiding stone for the entire world. <laughs> right when millions mm -hmm. of people were being having their lives destroyed under this cultural great reset, and uh, he was working with other Jesuits like P uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau was also going to visit Mao was also part of this liberation theologian thing, um, also saying that this is wonderful what the Gang of Four has been able to do, and uh, they <laughs> yep. they just they ejaculate over this stuff. Well, they do. Um, now, this is a guy who, like I said. At the heart, because what does Klaus Schwab mean and what do these freaks mean when they're saying that you will own nothing and you will, you will love it? Um, they're basically saying that, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a post-reset age, the world will be kept very poor, the vast majority at least. Those who are part of the enlightened elite, the elect, 
will have access to the controls of the the you know uh the, the land the agriculture the the physical things that actually have value that we live in that will be controlled by a small grouping of elites um who will themselves be beholden to a higher ideology a governing ideology that transcends their personal existences it's a very cultish evil and i would say even satanic thing and for those who don't think that the church has fallen to this uh think again because in 2012 to 13 there was a takeover and <laughs> even today uh, Pope Francis, who's integrated the Catholic Church with, I mean, things like the uh, Council for Inclusive Capitalism, the, a Rothschild beast mm -hmm. that was created in or, to unite trillions of dollars of capital with the president of the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Foundation, uh, Merck, uh, Johnson & Johnson, like this is a giant thing, uh, has been integrated with the Catholic Church of Francis in order to promote this idea that, no, we have to create a new capitalism based on virtue devoid of all of the relics of pursuing profit and you know having nation states playing a role in things that's gone now that in their minds so uh pope francis has been liberalizing this thing like crazy um like there's been the the, the biggest weakening and destruction with with high level jesuits being brought into positions of authority in all levels of the vatican bureaucracy while preparing for what's called the greening of greening of christianity yep you know, things like the laudato si uh encyclical which basically says, you know, to be Christian means you have to live in harmony with nature's laws. That's Jane Goodall right there, I noticed. You know, that's, that, that, that's a very, uh, I mean, Christianity being an ancient Near Eastern religion, you know, yeah, that's something they espoused, you know, being, being in uh, one with the, uh, with the earth and, uh, you know, hugging trees and Mother Gaia and all that stuff. Clearly, Gaia is mentioned in the Bible, uh, Matt. I don't know if you missed that. Clearly, obviously, yes, yeah, <laughs> certainly. Well, see, but that's ironically the thing, right? Because what they're doing is that, because how do you convince all of these Christians who had formerly believed that we are made in the image of God and that life is sacred to go along with this type of immoral uh, re, uh, reset of society with these new types of values that are antithetical? How do you do that? Well, they, they zero in on parts of the Old Testament that are favorable to their agenda. So there's elements right. of, let's say, the, the book of Genesis where you could say that the the idea of God conveyed by the, the the sort of figure that wants you to be to not eat from the tree of knowledge, um, at which point by eating from knowledge you have created sin, you've created death, you've been banned from the the Garden of Eden. Right. Um, that's something which these sorts of of freaks will then just latch onto and say, look, that's like a metaphor for everything. We should go back to the Garden of Eden. The second we started becoming out of out of whack with nature. This is the basis of guy environmentalism as a modern synthetic cult is that it was when we bit from the, the apple from the tree of knowledge. And then we had the ability to judge good and evil. And as soon as we did that, we became unnatural and everything else has been unnatural. So the, those are the things that they will amplify and organize their restructuring around. And they will ignore things like where God says in, I think the first Genesis 26, the part which, which says, that thou shalt go go forth, be fruitful, and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. They will just ignore that. They will be like, "That's that's what we have to crush and, and get people to forget about," uh, and instead redefine things. So it's all about re reframing definitions. And you know, people have have a lot of a lot of people have come into to contact with the idea of neuro linguistic programming, which has been going on for a long time. It's just been tweaked and honed a little bit more. But you're just reframing facts to accommodate a preset outcome you want to create in order to get people who don't know any better to adapt to their own destruction 
And, you know, when I listen to Justin Trudeau trying to, or, or, uh, asshole, um, French guy, um, in France, what's his name? I just said it, uh, president. Macron. Oh, Macron. Uh, yeah. Say that, you know, like we, we, we should not tolerate the intolerables uh, who are less than citizens. You're trying to get the people to turn Jesus. on themselves. You want to make us become our own. You want to weaponize human beings against ourselves, which is how it's always worked. You weaponize the people against themselves. And then when they're so busy in mob thing, uh, sacrificing the people who are uh, not like them, they don't realize that they're all being manipulated and being like migrated towards a slaughterhouse. It's been going on for a long time. So people have to really, really internalize that this is the game where we've been weaponized first since the 60s and 70s, since the killing of JFK, against ourselves via, via the idea that, you know, human technology is bad because it caught when we build a dam or we build infrastructure, it upsets the supposed perfect, pristine equilibrium of nature. Um, and thus, you know, uh, human beings causing industrial growth cause somehow we, we're led to believe climate change warming of the planet not the sun not not cosmic radiation none of these galactic processes no it's human co2 is causing all of the the storms the uh the disasters natural disasters striking it's all us the the warming that's not even actually happening that's all us and we can only solve it by getting back to nature, shutting down industrial growth shutting down nuclear power like they're doing in germany they've just announced with the new uh, green government, which is somehow pro-nuclear bombs being used on Russia, but against nuclear energy being used for people during the, during an energy crisis, you know their, their defense minister <laughs> made waves by uh, by calling for the the use of nuclear bombs against Russia not that long ago, just weeks ago, and she's a green leader, right? They're 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 advancing using nuclear technology for bombs to kill the world, but not for utilizing nuclear power to end the energy crisis no that they're still shutting down they're down to three reactors they're, they want to have it totally gone within a year or two so but or, or, yeah but ahead. but matt you don't see the genius of this it's beautiful because by eliminating eight of their advanced nuclear power plants now they're importing uh energy uh, from coal-fired power plants that are in the czech republic mm. and in poland and they're importing uh, LNG, liquid natural, you know, natural gas, directly from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. It's yeah. a win-win situation, man. It's for the people. Absolutely. And by shutting down Nord Stream two with that pesky, cheap, abundant Russian right. natural oh. gas, they're they're luckily going to be able to now buy really inefficient, super expensive gas from uh, the United States. Um, which is really good because who likes paying uh, just, you know, a, only a, a little bit of money when you can pay a lot of money for your energy needs. Yeah. And, and Matt, hmm. uh, weeks ago, I said, this is going to be a major arbitrage play for a, a lot of wall street and city of London traders. And as sure as shit, as soon as Germany shut down the last power plant, we've had, and, and I think zero hedge mapped this, like this is like two weeks after I said it. Where literally you see the uh, the the tracking the, the the cargo ship tracking immediately they changed routes mm. ships that are heading towards Asia immediately turned around and they're heading towards Europe because it's an arbitrage play. Wall yeah. Street and speculators are going to make a killing. It has nothing to do with the people. So how do you do that? Vilify Russia? Oh my God, Putin and the Russians are so aggressive against Ukraine. We can't have Nord Stream two. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, the people who are making this policy. 
um, who are like representing the neoliberal rules-based order of democracy are, are actually openly saying to Russia that they're willing to move the nuclear bombs in Germany closer to Russia's border in Poland or, or even maybe Ukraine um, as part of this, you know, because they love peace so much. That's the thing you would want to do, um, obviously. <laughs> and, um, you know, at the end of the day, who is trying to get Ukraine in the first place into NATO, which should have gone out of existence in 1992 because it lost its mandate, which was the whole point of NATO's creation in 1949, was to get around Russia's veto on the UN Security Council during the Cold War. The Cold War ended. The point of NATO thus ended. James Baker, the uh, the you know the the, uh, the Secretary of State under uh, Bush Senior, was a part of the. He led the delegations with Gorbachev when they were negotiating the dissolution of NATO, or not even the dissolution. They said, we'll keep NATO, but we will keep us a, a protective zone and we will never, if you voluntarily dissolve the Soviet Union, we will not encroach one inch onto your, your border. And that was unfortunately never written down, but it was recorded. And so when Stoltenberg says, oh, but that's just Gorbachev's rantings uh, and fantasies, it's like, no, that was actually, there's transcripts of that entire thing. And James Baker himself has, has also said that this happened. Um, but despite that, it went from, what was it, uh, 16 countries to 29 countries with the intent of quickly absorbing Georgia that already got into a war with for five days with Russia in 2008 under Saakashvili, yeah. as well as Ukraine. They want, that has, you know, a, a post-U.S. putsch government inside of it, which has been openly calling for being absorbed into Ukraine with the stationing of U.S. missiles, both short and medium range, um, and everything that goes with the collective security pact. So... Who wants that? Why is the U.S. running war games and, and, and NATO running war games on Russia's perimeter uh, in the Black Sea? Who's been wanting this to ha to get into a hot war? It's the same people who have been doing the same thing around China, right? Who wants to get Ch Taiwan into a U.S.-controlled uh, security pact around the Quad, which is, by the way, not going to work. It's failing. But the whole idea of a NATO of the Pacific has been an agent something sprung onto the world over a year ago. And uh, they, they're trying to bring arms deals. They've been doing arms deals with Taiwan. They're trying to really sit, get the weak spot on Russia's underbelly and China's perimeter. They're trying to actually induce both China or Russia to invade. Why are they doing that? Because they need an excuse to shut down, to create an absolute cut between the, the, the authoritarian parts of the world order that are rejecting this anti-human depopulated one world government agenda versus those parts that are uh, in the cage. They want to create an excuse and they need an excuse, a big trigger to do that. So having an, to be able to say, look, Russia just invaded to create new myths about yeah. why this second cold war, maybe even a hot war is going to happen or China just invaded Taiwan, poor innocent Taiwan. Uh, that's a great uh, excuse to do that because ultimately why? Well, Guterres, the head of the um, the um, the United Nations, who's also integrated the UN with the Great Reset of Klaus Schwab himself, he seems to be also very very much influenced uh, by the liberation theologian uh, worldview during his time in uh, South America and beyond. But this guy has said not that long ago, um, "I fear." This is a quote by Guterres: "I fear our world is creeping towards two different sets of economic, trade, financial, and technological rules." two divergent approaches in the development of artificial intelligence and ultimately two different military and geopolitical strategies. 
this is a recipe for trouble. It would be a far less predictable and far more dangerous than the Cold War. Like, this is the thing. These guys recognize that there's a different paradigm that they would rather it be like it was in 2011 when we were killing Gaddafi and there was no Belt and Road Initiative and, and Russia had not started intervening to block U.S.-British-led regime changes in the Middle East. They would rather just go back in time so that everybody could be brought into the same cage and the cage then slowly shrunk with all of us in it together under this collective suicide pact of uh, pursuing the, at the time it was cop, I think it was cop nine or something. Mm -hmm. Right. 2009. Right. Yep. Um, when there was also at the same time, what was also going on in 2009, right? A uh, April, you had this billionaires conference with Bill Gates, Bloomberg, uh, I, Oprah Winfrey. I don't know about her being there, but anyway, that was weird. Uh, David Rockefeller um, at the uh, head of the president of the Rockefeller University in New York, which was all dealing with the population crisis, how to reduce world populations. That's literally what it was openly called in the Wall Street Journal, even wrote articles at the time talking about this billionaire meeting. And they were trying to like stay, they called themselves the good club. Um, and they wanted to keep it a little bit on the down low because they didn't want, you know, conspiracy theorists, paranoiacs to uh, think of this as some sort of a cabal, God forbid. Um, but this is happening at the same time that you have H1N1, right? Which is, we're at the time, being promoted as the new black plague back then with uh, none other than people like Niall Ferguson, yep. who heads London's Imperial College, which is generating all of these computer models that are forecasting these Armageddon states of. The uh, only thing that those computer models have been successful in doing is allowing the world to shut down while Niall Ferguson skirts off to have a, a sexual tryst with his mistress while everybody else is locked down. That's the only thing it's been successful in doing. Yeah, these guys don't believe the shit that they're saying, right? Yeah. Like, they, look, at, look at AOC partying it up in Florida, maskless, after after criticizing Florida and Governor DeSantis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Obama's like parties with 700 people, uh, yeah, just bobbing shoulders and stuff. They, like, they, th they think of themselves egotistically as uh, almost like gods of Olympus above the, the laws that are only designed to apply to controlling human beings or morality being something which is only useful. It has no existence morality. It's only there as a tool by an elite to use to control dumb simpletons yeah. um, using shame, using guilt, using fake empathy, things like that. That's that's the point of their view, the oligarchical definition of morality. And justice, no existence. Conscience, no real existence. None. It's metaphysical. Metaphysical is not scientific. We The only thing real is our lusts, our physical passions, our hedonism, and maybe um, our worshiping of Lucifer, but that comes later. Uh, but <laughs> hey, Ra Raven Six in the chat, he says something so funny. He goes, The only thing missing in Kazakhstan right now is Victoria Newland passing out cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Can you imagine in the middle of chaos, the cameras panning? You see Victoria Newland in like a, a long trench coat with a cookie basket with a with a little napkin on it, just hanging out, handing out chocolate chip cookies. Someone has to make a gift. Anybody listening to this video who has gift making skills, to make do that. Fast. That's brilliant. That. That's brilliant. Yes. I, yes. I would pay you a hundred bucks to anybody who makes a quality gift of Victoria Newland. Uh, passing out passing cookies. Out cupcakes in Kazakhstan right now. Kazakhstan right now. Okay. <laughs> wherever, wherever they, <laughs> that's the new thing, man. She's going to pop up in Iran next. <laughs> Everywhere she, she, you're going to see Victoria Newland. Passing out cookies, you know the end is near. <laughs> yeah, if you if you do that, send it to send it to me at uh, at info at risingtidefoundation.net, 
And uh, if more than one person sends me the, the, the gif, I will, I will pick the best and I will send you a uh, hundred dollars if it's good quality. And even if you do it and it's, it's not something I want to use, I'll give you free books by PDF. Okay. There so you, you won't, you won't lose out. Take your time, but do, don't take too much time. Make it. And we will Make use it. that. Brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it's total. I mean, they're, they're, they're working so hard at every little weak spot available, every little thing that they think of as a fissure, they're just pushing on and hammering at because they're running out of time on the one hand, you know, like the, the financial system has a certain, it is a time bomb. It, and as a time bomb, that was, I mean, the, the, the clock was already like sort of set back in the early seventies when the dollar was removed from the gold standard or the gold reserve yeah. different from the gold standard, not the same thing. Um, and tied to global speculative uh, prices of commodities, oil, shit like that. Th that's when the system was turned into a bomb, a bubble. And now the detonation is something unavoidable. They could sort of they have they can modify and modulate a little bit, but ultimately they can't avoid the pop forever. And to the degree that Russia and China continue to be an alternative, viable political, economic, financial order, it will be something that nations that they want to control will jump to in the context of a crisis, a break, a systemic breakdown. They will many nations will go into and join that new that game that actually works that can float. This one can't float. So they uh, they have a limited, a limited amount of time. And so, yeah, they're pushing on Kazakhstan right now. It's a key part of the Eurasian Economic Union. It's a key part of the gateway of uh, the, the Belt and Road Initiative yes, as well that connects East and West relations. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, an oil, natural gas zone, very important. And I mean, if they can destabilize that, it's trouble. So hopefully... I hope to God that uh, that this can be kept under control, but definitely the Soros operatives. The, I know the president of Kazakhstan just called out the Western financiers behind these fake uh, this fake color revolution being attempted. Um, so that's that's very serious. That is very serious. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, man. It's it's. I mean, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. That's the corridor to the Silk Road. Yeah, that's the heartland. That's that's, yeah. that's every that's the heart and soul of everything. Yeah. And Zbigniew Brzezinski talks about this for years, right? In his uh, grand chessboard, it, whoever can control and destabilize that zone can generally have a strategic advantage over the entire world and keep um, a cooperative economic partnership of great civilizations from ever happening. Um, so it's so very important. Up until recently, there's been a lot of wins for the good guys in the sense that the, the, the Middle East or the Southwest Asia, we should call it, <clears throat> has been... For, fi finally, with the Belt and Road's appearance, with, with Russia's appearance uh, onto the scene, with, with Iran's participation in the Belt and Road, uh, with its new uh, you know program with China, $400 billion is in a little deal. Um, there has been now stabilization, new sets of peace arrangements and security deals are being made between enemies of the Middle East who have been manipulated like puppets for decades by the Western Anglo-American elite. Um, Turkey is doing business and working on uh, peace treaties with Iran. So is Saudi Arabia increasingly starting a dialogue that is potentially significant, but so is the UAE. Um, you've got pipelines, rail being built up between Iran and Turkey, as well as uh, from the UAE as ports all the way to Iran that stretch get into Turkey, as well as up into Azerbaijan, Georgia, and beyond. Um, you have a whole variety on top of I mean, I'm not going to go through a list, but it's good. So yeah. they're really, really afraid of losing this entire zone, which they are likely going to do. And I didn't even bring up Africa, but that's a whole other show unto itself. Uh, so Kazakhstan, they're really, really desperate to destroy and subvert Kazakhstan. Um, very, very big deal there. 
Oh, were you there? Yeah, I, I'm here. I actually hit the, um, the mute button. No, it's a huge thing, man. If if if, if Kazakhstan, I mean, right now, I mean, a Raven Six just uh, told us that uh, newest report out of Kazakhstan is that they've asked the Russian uh, military for help with the protests. That's a smart thing. I think a lot of the countries that are in the multipolar world need to move asymmetrically to remove every single Western aid organization. This is why you know a lot of countries like in like in China and stuff and Russia were criticized. Mm-hmm. For why are you removing all these aid organizations? Why are you putting up an internet firewall? Because all of these things are utilized by the globalist octopus, the squid, uh, as a way and a means to access the, uh, the you know, the, the 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 citizenry of the countries that they're trying to destabilize. It's so vital. I think Kazakhstan should move very quickly to take out these NGOs, to take out, you know, find out who the foreign financiers are and crack them down. It's it's very important they do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the entire I mean, the, the greatest thing about one of the greatest advantages that Kazakhstan has right now is that it's part of the Eurasian Economic Union, which is largely being led by um, the thinking and planning of Sergei Glazyev, who is an extraordinary mind, uh, an advisor for a very long time to Putin. Um, he's brilliant. And uh, he's one of the few guys who really, really gets it in terms of the science of physical economy. He gets the, the global grand strategy very, very well. He gets the nature of this evil beast um, that, and he gets how it operates. Um, and it's not like Russia doesn't have its own deep state problems, right? Like, oh, they, yeah, they do. Yeah, Putin has been doing a good job waging war against this fifth column uh, for 20 years. His behavior in, and policies are consistent. I'm getting, though, a lot of people writing to me um, because there is a new operation that is targeting a lot of the Western anti-great reset, more conservative leaning people um, who are, you know, aware of at least the nature of the evil of the great reset. But now they're being targeted kind of like they were for the past two years, especially, you you know, against China around the idea that China is just this evil beast that's actually at the heart of the global. Yeah, exactly. uh, It's the head of the Hydra. (laughs) Yeah, it's the head of the Hydra. Exactly. This has all been about a giant communist uh, takeover of the world that's been planned since the days of Mao. And this is all that that is going on. So there's been like, you know, people like uh, Bannon, uh, the Epoch Times, Falun Gong and other CIA sort of funded operations, which have a giant, giant network of thought control and narrative formation. They've been framing data in such a way to always amplify this particular conclusion and narrative they want people to come to when they think of China. Ignoring, of course, the hydroxychloroquine, the, the all of what China's actually done for the past two years, ignore it. Ignore the fact that they've rejected mRNA uh, programs that, uh, in, in as far as like Sinovac is concerned. That ignore the fact that they have uh, intervened. The Chinese Communist Evil Party has intervened to block on at least two occasions that I know about mandatory vaccination policies, which regional uh, deep state puppets within China have tried to impose. Um, Russia has done the same. Their federal government has intervened at least five times. I've counted yes. so far since May 2000 and uh, or March 2020 last year, 2021, 20, uh, to block mandatory vaccination policies, which people like Sobayan, uh, the mayor of Moscow and, and other regional uh, liberal leaning technocratic elites have tried to impose. So People don't know about the the battle going on. No, they don't. This has allowed them to become convinced by spin that Russia and China are equally as bad and in it together as Klaus Schwab's inner echelons of the Great Reset. Um, And 
the reality is that's the water to put out the fire. Like the, the solution, if you want a workable solution, it's not just to detach yourself from the system and go go local, which is what a lot of people have been promoted as the only alternative pathway. You know, if you listen to Catherine Austin Fitz or many, many, Whitney Webb, James Corbett, you listen to a lot of the big influential voices among the alternative media crowd, their ultimate solution is nation states are gone. Like that, that if anything, nation states have always been just a tool of empire to enslave. Um, they talk about all of the bad very well. They, they dissect it well, but when it comes to now solutions, it comes down to like some libertarian idea of just di disassociating yourself from society, thinking local. Hey, you know what that tells us, Matt, that yeah. tells see, whenever a person always it, they, see anybody could highlight the bad, mm -hmm. right? But they don't talk about solutions. No. And the fact that they don't talk about solutions, that everything that they know about the bad is they were reading and doing other people's work. In other words, they were reading somebody else's ideas. They were grabbing, they were they didn't do any deep research and or they don't know of anybody that has any solutions because it doesn't fit their modus operandi. It doesn't fit their worldview. And this is the problem that I see with many of the old media. They do a great job at dissecting everything that's bad domestically, but their grasp of international politics ends at the U.S. border. And whatever they have, it's like, okay, don't trust mainstream media when it comes to anything domestically, but we should believe the mainstream media about what they say about Russia and China. Yeah, I know. It's quite the irony. Um, it's incredible. A lot of people who are really, I like a lot. I like I like Candace Owens. I like J.P. Sears. Yes, uh, I think they do wonderful work. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you're, there's a mental handicap that just ends up believing whatever the top-down oligarchical uh, mainstream thought narratives are regarding the international situation. Um, and uh, and that, I mean, there's reasons for that. And it's not like everybody's, and you know, like, like I, said, I like them because they're good people. Right. But there's an intellectual blind spot and a bad, a, a certain way of thinking, which is problematic. And that, you know, you have to be able to understand that everything in world history is a unity, right? World history has been shaped by conspiracies and intentions and ideas that are either right or wrong, that are good or bad. And I, I don't want to sound Manichaean. It's not like a, a dualism of light versus darkness with like equal force pressing each other. I don't mean that. There's something else. There's another way of thinking about this. Um, and, and it's all there in Plato's dialogues. If people really want to get a sense of the two schools of thinking, just simply read uh, Plato's Gorgias dialogue between Socrates and, and Gorgias' students, especially Callicles. If you read that, think about it. It's all essentially there, okay? But in, or read the, you know, we talked about the, the Plato's cave allegory as well. That's, that's another way of thinking about it from book seven of the Republic. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. But um, Russia and China don't want to commit self-induced suicide, which is the only way to know that isn't necessarily to just look at what they say because sometimes people say in real politic things that they don't mean or they do things that are opposite from what they say for good or for bad. You know, Biden says, or we were told two weeks to flatten the curve and back to normal. That was never true. That was always a lie because the actions were different. Sometimes inversely, somebody says something ugly, but then they do something that is good. That's also part of real politics. That's part of the game. Um, so because sometimes Putin might say to Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, hey, my good friend, um, you know, and say something pleasant about Klaus Schwab. People will often, who are thinking on a lower level, will be like, 
look, it's a proof that he's actually part of yeah. the operation. He said something <laughs> nice about that guy. And it's like, no, he's being civil and not showing his cards. He's yeah. playing a game and game the operation to destroy Russia and destroy China and destroy the United States. It's the same operation. It's the same operatives who have been there for a very, since the, before the American Revolution. It's yeah. the same parasite. And they would love that when the whole thing is said and done and, this, and, and the economy blows up and this country goes down the toilet, for mm -hmm. them to say, hey, look, it's the war with Russia that caused this. Or look, it's the Chinese operation that did No, they don't want the blame to yeah. fall on them where they're the ones who are literally fleecing, destroying, and pillaging this country for decades. They don't want that blame coming on them. So they like it. That yeah. both the alt media in this country and the mainstream media in the country agree on one thing. China and Russia is evil. They're yeah. working against us. Here's one thing. I'm going to take this opportunity here because there's something that's been that, that came to my attention. I've had about, in the past six days, well over 20 of my uh, people who read my material write to me, make comments. Um, all different people that are all sending me to the same source. Uh, conveying, proving to them that Russia, that Putin is actually a fraud, evil, in with, in bed with the World Economic Forum. It's all part of the same game. Stop having, stop, you know, basically stop thinking. Um, the uh, source is uh, Riley Wagaman, uh, who has a, a surname, a pen name called Edward, Edward um, oh, I'm forgetting his last name all of a sudden. It's Anyway, um, now this Riley Wagaman is an American embedded in Russia who is formerly an editor at Russia, Russia uh, today, and has, as the story goes, he broke with RT in order to start um, uh, exposing Russia and the COVID fraud. Which RT for anybody watching RT who who uses that, I I fall I look at RT every every day. Yeah, but I also know what it is. Anybody following RT knows that there's something very smelly also about RT as well, where they promote certain things religiously, like the fear fest over our current uh, scamdemic. And um, and they, they do amplify a certain narrative. They also give a voice to people like Alexei Kudrin, the former finance minister technocrat who uh, was very insurrectionary as a trader, a liberalizer, who was fired in 2011 for essentially being a trader. Um, they, he's been given a voice and a platform since the current uh, editor-in-chief, uh, Margarita Simonian, was brought into power um, on RT, a state-funded uh, outlet. And uh, there's been, while there's a lot of useful stuff, that's how honey works. It brings you in because it's sweet, but then there's Trojan horses under the honey. Um, not only has RT been serving as a platform for uh, rehabilitating Kudrin, who, by the way, was rehabilitated in many ways and now is the head of, of a very powerful economic agency in Russia as of 2018, um, but has also been um, calling for, like, this person, Simonian, we're, we're currently at the, uh, the the anniversary, the second year anniversary of a near war that broke out between the U.S. and Iran, right? When Iran had shut. Actually, Iran had already seen Soleimani, General Soleimani, uh, assassinated by a drone strike that appears to have been initiated um, by a renegade function of the military-industrial complex. I don't even think uh, Trump knew about it, though he, he had to own it, um, which was an idiotic... I mean, anyway. Uh, so... That was January 3rd. Um, then within five days, it almost became a hot war. Literally, you had to have uh, the U.S. received a, a counterstrike by the Iranians that they gave four notice for. So it was a relatively controlled thing um, against the U.S. military base. 
And then Iran was on high alert, waiting for a strike. There was cyber warfare also going on in their radar systems. And they were induced to shoot down a, a Ukrainian-run passenger jet. And you remember that, right? In uh, yeah. January 8th. Yep. Now, when they shot down that jet, and it's very speculative, there's a lot of parallels between the uh, the PS-752 Ukrainian uh, jet that it was shot down in Iran on its way out of Iran airspace and the MH-17 2004 uh, 2014 shoot da- shot down over the Malaysian airliner that was shot down over Ukraine. A lot of similarities. I mean, flight controls, uh, you had plane transponders turned off. Radar systems were turned off in the case of Ukraine. Well, that, that, that's what happens right before a missile hits you. You know, your transponders go off and your radar screen goes black. It's totally normal. Nothing to see here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Basically, these were two false flags in a sense, but one was yeah. a, a sort of, as Pepe Escobar calls it, a reverse false flag because Iran, we don't exactly know all the details because they did end up saying it was our fault to sort of put water on the fire. But evidence is pointing to the fact that this was an, an it could have been either a cyber attack to get their radar systems to think that there were there was an incoming missile, or there's also evidence that the uh, the outgoing Ukrainian Ukrainian plane turned around, turned off its transponders, and then it was perceived to be a missile uh, as well. Who knows? But uh, there's a lot of shadiness. But this almost resulted in a, a total blowout. Iran said, "Okay, we we are sorry. It was an error." And uh, and and that was their approach. That was that was what they chose to do. But now Margarita Simonian. The, the editor-in-chief of RT let the cat out of the bag of what she actually represents very clearly because at that point she went in a split second on her social media and started saying that Putin should now man up like the Iranians and admit that he actually was at fault for shooting down the Ukrainian, uh, the Malaysian airline in 2014. Unreal. Yeah, which is Unreal. all evidence that I've seen so far led by very, very... Uh, it, was the, it was the Yukis that did it with a book. Yeah, book fifty uh, launch, possibly even if there's a MIG, a Ukrainian MIG that was caught in the area as well. Mm. Nothing to do with the Russians shooting that MH MH three seventy. Yeah, MH seventeen. Yeah, no, exactly. You're right, and uh, and so <clears throat> she knows all of this. This is all evidence that she knows very well. Lavrov eloquently um, has described this in many speeches. All of the different components that point to the fact that this was a false flag in 2014. But she basically said, now Putin should man up and admit that he did this. Um, this was picked up by international Western press, Bloomberg, CNN, uh, BBC, all picked up what she said and really just reamplified global pressure to make a pressure campaign onto Russia to now submit, admit. And this is right as COVID is being sprung onto the world at the same time, right? So a lot is going on. A lot of potential is being destroyed. Uh, at the same time, this is now a week later, you have um, a near coup d'etat, what, what appears to be a near coup d'etat inside of the Russian Duma, where the entire Russian government resigns on January 15th. Um, they're rushed out, essentially, before they could make any comments around Medvedev. And uh, and I, it seems like the, the, the situation was cleaned up a little bit. Um, and Putin had just given a State of the Union address, or State of the Nation address. Um, but Simonian had really blown her cover by doing this because that's the only reason why you would go so public with something so insurrectionary would be because you thought that it was going to work, that that there would be an actual admission and Russia could be brought to her knees. So she's been waiting in the whims, um, in the in the wings. Now, having Riley Wagaman, a former editor at RT, also now uh, do what he's doing. And every single day I'm getting 
people writing to me, showing me new exposés that I, I read them. I read them all. This fellow is on such a rampage. He's so productive. I doubt that he's just by himself as well. I'm thinking that there might probably be um, a lot of research being done by a team that's compiling things, but it's all being spun in such a way as to convey that um, every pro-COVID measure, but from Russia is being done by directly by Putin, that there is no such thing as a Russian deep state, that Putin's voice is represented entirely by RT's uh, voice. That is, that is Putin. Um, and a spinning and reframing of narratives the same way that they did it for China for the past two years. They're doing it now. And I think this operation is going to amplify and amplify. His writings are going viral. I'm there. And I, I think this is going to be something that's going to be more of a pain in the ass than people realize. So I'm just going to say something about, I, I just want to say something about that now. Um, you know, and, uh, and just get people need to, you can only inoculate yourself against this type of psyop by being aware of the nature and mapping of the deep state penetration into both Russia, into China, into various countries. You have to be able to have done the work to say, okay, I see where the legitimate nationalist um, movement is. And where is the penetration? Where's the subversion? It's in the United States. There's two Americas. That's the nature of my, my book mm -hmm. series is the, is the clash of the two Americas. Most people just treat America as one homogenous beast. It's not. It's, it's not. Yeah. You know, same thing for Russia. Same thing for China. There is... It's the difference between the United States today and China and Russia is that China and Russia have effectively done proper combat with this foreign parasite, whereas the U.S. has, in large measure, on a federal level, succumbed to it. Unfortunately, in Canada, we succumb we succumb to it much earlier because we were always founded on, as we said, parliamentary British monarchical deep state democracy from the beginning. So we never really had as much of a legit fight, though there has been there have been Promethean role models who did courageous battle. And, and I try my best in my writings and in my books to amplify their um, role in history so that people have a sense of empowerment of things that, that have worked and could work again. But I'm not, I have no disillusions I, or no illusions. I, I know what Canada is. The U.S. has more legitimacy because, I mean, look, you got eight presidents who died in office, yep. um, all doing the same thing going back to the 19th century. And they're all invoking the same American system principles of national banking, protective tariffs, long-term credit generation, and anti-imperialism, all of them, whether they die by poisoning or by bullets, it's all the same policy being evoked, which gives real meaning to the U.S. Constitution as a, as a republic, as a republican system of political economy, which has expressed itself in at various times in Russia, in China, in Japan, in South American nations, in Europe. And that's been, if you don't understand that, and you haven't done the work and taken the time to, to research this thing, then you cannot know why the Civil War happened. You cannot know why World War I or World War II happened or why Franklin Roosevelt's dream of a, of a world of win-win cooperation and sovereign nation states with national banking was, was subverted. Why was Henry Wallace subverted um, after the death of, of Roosevelt? Why did this artificial thing called Cold War happen? You know, you can't know what JFK was really trying to fight against and what his, his very powerful, creative... Uh, policy orientation was. You can't understand any of that stuff and you can't thus understand how this impacts today's world and how Russia and China's policies are invoking, ironically, that tradition, that, that real power of world history that goes back thousands of years. You can't identify any of these things and you will always fall prey to psyops, misinformation, minefield shit that's all over the minefield of the psychological zeitgeist. So, I mean, people have to take the time really to beef up their internal infrastructure because these are heavy ideas. And if you've got a weak bridge, 
with like structural flaws, it will break with these ideas. You need to have a strong bridge and make it stronger every day. So turn off Netflix, stop playing video games, put down your joint. Like the, the world is, we need, we need the best of you right now. So yeah. 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 Very well said. Very well said. <laughs> Folks, again, the man of the hour, the one and only Matthew Eric, you can get him on the Substack. The links are in the description box. Make sure you get his book. It is a great gift and a great read, as well as CanadianPatriot.org and the Rising Tide Foundation.net, which I call the Library of Alexandria Online, that you can have today to get these amazing, amazing articles and discourse. And, of course, you know, you, you sign up with Matt. Uh, him and his wife, Cynthia, they do um, – Often weekly uh, courses on Sundays, right, Matt? You still, you guys yeah, like, like, like CJ, could you click on the uh, the symposium right next to the about us section at top top menu bar? So symposium, go. right? So people click on that. If you want to be involved, like get like listen live. I usually ask for a donation of some sort. You could get the paid version of of our Substack that'll get you the invitations to the live lectures. So you could scroll down here. This is all of the 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 symposium topics that we've done for the past three years. Um, so if you click on the, the top one there, the uh, uh, storytelling, myth-making, and the shaping of universal history, click on that. So that's our current uh, schedule um, of speakers. So you can scroll down a little bit and you can see the list of each of the presentations. We began the first one already, which is right there on uh, ancient history and the reality of, behind Homer's Odyssey and Iliad. But People can scroll down and just get a list of every single lecture, the speaker, their bio. And uh, like I said, send me an, an email at info at risingtidefoundation.net or subscribe, get the paid Substack, and you will get the live invitations. You could then participate, uh, ask questions, participate in the dialogue, and uh, it helps. It helps a lot to get people to become just truth seekers and just do the extra work. Very well said. And folks, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, share. Hit us with a thumbs up. And again, 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 I cannot emphasize enough. Get over to all of Matthew's websites and his works. It's going to be amazing. Um, CJ, I think Rogan is still down for maintenance, I believe it is. Yeah, just getting the uh, <clears throat> the site refreshed and everything ready for the uh, new content. So, Yep, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. So keep it locked and loaded here, folks. And with that being said, we're overnight. If people are looking for the Cuss with Gus interview, it will be posted on roguenews.com because it is rated R. It's rated triple G because uh, Gus Demas was uh, he was really going in. So we, we can't, he's, he's you know it's too hardcore for YouTube. Too hardcore. Well, you, know, you guys should get ready. Uh, like can, uh, encourage your uh, our listeners to uh, to maybe go to another platform too. Like to get in the yeah. We're gonna we're we're making our way to uh, uh, Rumble. Uh, okay. That's that's gonna be on there. We're we're gonna Toronto have a new. Based, be careful. That's Toronto controlled. Is it Canadian territory? Yeah, that's that's. Oh, cool. I thought they were Cantor Fitzgerald controlled out of New York. No, I, I heard that. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Okay. But uh, yeah, they're they're uh, big. I mean, Cantor is like the major investor uh, with them. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and Cantor is is uh, is um, they're they're nationalist, very nationalist views. The CEO is okay, like. If I just slandered them, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, no, no. You you, you, you I mean, there could be another angle here. You know, it's always yeah. it's always good to do uh, homework. Yeah, you know, I'll look into them as well. I'll, I'll take another look. But yeah, we're we're doing Rumble, Twitch, D Live. We're everywhere you want us to be, and most importantly, we're on Rogue News. This will always be on RogueNews.com. Make that the jump off point. Um, yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, that's it. And then uh, uh, and then anywhere else. And the Odyssey. We're going to do Odyssey next as well. So a lot of good stuff. Up, up awesome. Ahead. Great, folks. Thank you so much for listening. With that being said, CJ, take it away. <laughs>